I had chill bumps running up and down my arms. Listen to y'all sing about our holy Lord. And it just brings so much meaning to it as we, as I have been preparing for this lesson this morning. I've been reflecting on that word holy and holiness. And to hear y'all sing that, it's just meant a lot. It was special. And I'm excited about the week that you're about to go through as you study in our one word study about holiness. Because studying about our holy Lord is just a special thing. When we think about the word holy, we often think about a sacred place. I'll never forget the first time I walked into Jordan Hare Stadium. I'm telling you. There's a sacred place. It's a sacred place. It's holy. As I walked up the stairs and saw, I'll never forget it. 2003, we were playing at LSU. I walked up the stairs, and, and you who are sports fans, you know this feeling if you've been to your home team's place. I've been to away games, but there's something special about being at home. And the first time you walk up and you're going through the concession stand and you're seeing all the big, uh, the stadium, you know, in its entirety, and that's pretty cool. But when you step through the the one part, and you see the grass for the first time. It's special. It's sacred to you. It's holy. Not because you're there, but because your team plays on that field right there. That's where my my Tigers play. That's where some of my favorite players have practiced. That's where they, they eventually made a living because they played right there, and it was special. When Abraham Lincoln was dedicating... The Gettysburg battlefield, he delivered a famous speech as he was getting ready to honor it. And he said this, the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. Basically, Lincoln's message was this. This ground isn't special because of what we do here or what we're going to do here today. This ground is special because of what they did here. Guys, we are in a holy place today. We are not in a holy place because we're here. We're not in a holy place because this ground right here is holy. We're not in a special place because these walls are special. We are in a holy place because God's people are here. Because the church, part of the church, is here in this room because God is here. And God is holy. And for that reason, we are in a holy place. And that should mean something to us. I want us to look at several different things this morning. And I I feel very humbled. We studied humility a few weeks ago. And I feel humble because I don't feel like I can really get this word across to you myself. I feel like God has to do that for us this morning. So we're going to look at several different things this morning. If you're like me, the word holy is pretty scary. Uh, maybe you've heard that word and you just said, I'm not even going to think about it because I don't, I don't get it. But we get a rare instance in Isaiah chapter 43 where God describes Himself and He says this, For I am the Lord your God. This is a song that we sing in our youth group sometimes. He says, The Holy One of Israel your Savior. When God gets a chance to describe Himself, He calls Himself the Holy One. 
Like I said, when I first saw this word, I was trying to figure out how to put it on a level that we can all understand it. And while I don't fully understand the word holy, I know God is a lot of that. Whatever that word means, God's a lot of it. Because when we look in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is approaching a burning bush. A burning bush. And God is within the burning bush. And God tells Moses that he needs to take his shoes off to approach him because the ground is holy. The ground isn't holy because God decided when he created the world that that specific spot was going to be holy. The ground is holy because God was there. Because God is holy. You go on into Exodus chapter 19. And once again, God has descended upon the Mount of Sinai. Just before He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And God was so much of that word holy. Whatever that word means, God was so much of it. That the people could not go up onto the mountain and speak to Him. And if you take it even a step further, the people couldn't even touch the edge of the mountain because they'd be killed because God is so much of that Word. He's so much holy. All the time while Moses was up on the mountain talking to God, the people got bored. The Israelites got bored. Moses was up there too long talking to God. So they decided to build a golden calf. Now, they forgot that God was holy. They forgot how, God, how holy God was, and they thought, we can build something that's holy. We can build something that's special, something that's different, and we can worship that. So Moses comes down from the mountain, and he sees him worshiping this calf. And God, in His anger, verse, chapter 33, verse 3 of Exodus He says, you know what? Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. How amazing. You know, at this point, they got to be thinking, we're okay. We messed up, but we're okay. God is still going to give us the land that He's been promising to us for years and years. We're still going to approach the promised land. He says, go to the land that flows with milk and honey, but He doesn't stop there. He says, but I will not go up among you. He says, you can have everything I've promised. You can have it. I'll give it to you. I'll give you the promised land. But I'm not going to be there. Let me ask you something. Would you take everything in the world that would make you happy if God wasn't part of it? Now, I know when you first hear that question, you think, well, yeah, I'd, I'd only, I want God. I'd, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that if God wasn't part of it. But I want you to really think Deep. I want you to think about your heart. Would you really take everything that makes you happy if God wasn't part of it? For a lot of us, we would. But this is the exact dilemma that the Israelites are facing. God says, I'll give you everything you've hoped for. I'll give you everything you've dreamed about. But I'm not going with you. Luckily, the Israelites mourn this whole idea. The Israelites decide that this is not a good thing, that going into the promised land without God is not a good thing. And Moses pleads to God about this ruling that he's made. He pleads to him to go with them, 
And, and I want you to really focus in on this verse in Exodus chapter 33, verse 16, because to truly understand what it means to be holy, we have to understand Moses' description right here. He says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. He says, without you, God, there's nothing special about us. God, if you don't go with us, we're just, we're just like everybody else. God, you're what makes make us distinct. You're what makes us different. The word holy often gets translated as set apart, but I think the word set apart kind of sells this word short. Because if you think about Jesus, we, we, we experience a little contradiction here if we think that the word means just to be set apart. Because Jesus, He touched the broken. He touched lepers. He ate with tax collectors. He went to parties. Jesus didn't exactly seem like He was completely set apart from the world, but Jesus was distinct. He was different. Christ doesn't sound like He was very set apart but he was different. When you come across Jesus, you know he's different. When the people in his day saw him, when they talked to him, they knew that he was distinct. It didn't matter if he was around people who were struggling. It didn't matter if he was around people who were considered bad because Jesus was distinct. He was holy. As Christians, we get this idea that if we abstain from alcohol, that if we don't look at pornography, that if, if we don't cuss, that if we don't do all these things, we don't gamble, if we don't do all these things that we think are bad, that we will be holy. That if we set ourselves apart from all of those bad things, that we're holy. And guys, while it's important to stay away from some of those things, it's also important to realize that holiness is not just being set apart from everything else. Being holy is about is not necessarily about moral purity, but it's about union with God through Christ. Being holy is so much more. You're not holy because you abstain from things. You're not holy because you don't do things that are bad. You are holy because you have a relationship with your Savior. Because you have a relationship with the Christ who died for you. That's what makes you holy. When you become baptized, believer, you become one with the Savior, and that's what makes you holy. You're not, you can't make yourself holy by staying away from things. When you're in a relationship with Jesus, you can't be like everyone else. If you look at John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus talks to His disciples. And he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him. Imagine being told that your best friend was going to leave, that you were going to lose them, but that they were going to send you someone else. That everything was going to be okay because you were going to get somebody else to replace them. I bet you wouldn't believe it. I bet you would say, no, I don't want to lose my best friend. I don't care who is coming. 
I can't replace our best friend. But Jesus says, another helper is coming, and it's important for me to leave so that he can come. Then in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. Look at the end here. You know him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And Jesus wasn't just all talk. Jesus was serious when he said these things because it happened. Jesus is crucified. He's raised from the dead and he leaves them. And they're distraught about it. But then when we get to Acts chapter 2, something very, very special happens. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We make the mistake sometimes of making this verse all about getting our sins forgiven. And that's important. We're washed in the blood of Christ so that our sins can be forgiven. It's true. But it's so much more than that. I'm telling you, I can't get this across to you. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than just getting your sins washed away so you can be good. Look what it does with your relationship with God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Where it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. As a Christian, you are holy. Because within you is the very Spirit of God. That's what makes you holy. You can't do enough. You can't stay, enough, stay away from enough bad things to make yourself holy. You are holy because the Holy Spirit is inside you. Every single place you go is holy because the Holy Spirit is there with you. God is with you. Every single step you take is holy because God is there. So don't think for a second that just because you're able to stay away from bad things, that you're holy. Because you're not off the hook that easily. A lot of us, we think, uh, I may not ever evangelize, but you know, at least I stay away from drugs. I may not ever pray with my neighbors, with my brothers, my sisters. But you know, at least I don't cuss. I may not fully put my heart into worship. I may not be fully here this morning. But at least I don't blatantly lie to my family and friends. I may not serve those in need who God has placed right in front of me. I may not do that, but at least I'm not wasting all my money spending it on dumb things. I may not live in God's Word every day. I may not even look at God's Word but at least I didn't sleep in this morning. That's, that's what, that is our mindset. That's what we think. We think that as long as we don't do those things, we're good. And so we, we justify ourselves not doing the things that God wants us to do because we're staying away from what we deem to be the bad things. To be holy means that you are distinct because all that you have and all that you are belongs to God doesn't belong to you. And every aspect of your life is to be shaped and directed 
towards Him, towards God. We are in a relationship with God that makes us distinct. It makes us different. It makes us holy. The way we interact with the Holy Spirit just makes us different. It should cause us to act differently. If you are abstaining from every single bad thing in your life, everything that you're tempted by, but you're not letting the Holy Spirit and you're not letting Him work in your life, you're not allowing Him to bring glory to God, you're not allowing Him to use you to bring glory to God, then I've got bad news. You are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And that's pretty scary. That you are grieving the Holy Spirit of God and that you are holding His power back from being able to do what the Holy Spirit is meant to do, and that's to bring glory to God through your life. And He can't do that if you're staying inside and staying away from everything that's bad. Like I said earlier, it's important to stay away from those things. But the Holy Spirit cannot work if you're afraid. Now, I want, now you may be thinking at this point, how do I know when the Holy Spirit's working in my life? How do I know when the Holy Spirit is moving in my life and wanting me to do something. So I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And this is a very important passage that I want you to get. I want you to remember. I want you to use it in your life. I want it to change you this morning. Every person that's in here who's a baptized believer has the Holy Spirit in you. And I want you to know how the Holy Spirit is acting in your life because that's what makes you distinct. That's what makes you holy. So look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action. Prepare your mind for action. I want you to start right now thinking, how are you going to be prepared to act? How are you going to be prepared to move? How are you going to be prepared to do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do? I've heard this before. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Have you ever heard that? If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. It's a mindset. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you is a mindset. A lot of us are afraid because we think we can't do this or that. We think, well, I can't pray with a stranger. I can't talk to someone in the supermarket about Jesus. I can't talk to my family member who I haven't talked to in years about Jesus. It's a mindset. If you think you can't, you can't. But if you start to believe that you can because the Holy Spirit's in you, then you can. Before you are ever going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, your mind has to be ready. You're not going to be proud of yourself or, or just not doing something. You're going to be excited because you are going to do something for Christ. You're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And then going on in this section, he says, and being sober-minded. Being sober in our culture, it typically refers to uh, the absence of a substance, the absence of alcohol, the absence of, of something that, that clouds our mind, that clouds our judgment. And spiritually speaking, the word means to be free from any distractions. Okay? If you're going to be sober-minded, you're free from anything that will cloud your judgment from allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You're free from anything that's going to keep you from doing it. Now, to be fully prepared to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, you've got to rid your mind of anything that's clouding your judgment. Now, that can be pretty crazy when you stop and think about all the things that cloud our mind, that distract us 
There's some TV shows that we just shouldn't watch. There are some people that just really drag us down that we really just shouldn't be around. There are some songs that we really just shouldn't listen to. We need to rid our life from those things because that's how we're going to get a clear mind. Clear your mind so that the Spirit has less stuff to compete with. Clear your mind so that the Holy Spirit has less things that you're dividing your attention between. And focus. Set your hope. This is the rest of the verse. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you excited about your retirement? Are you excited about vacation in a couple days? In a couple of years, or in a couple months, you excited about vacation? What about the next big movie that's coming out? Or the next big song or CD? Maybe your favorite artist is going to release a song or a new CD. Are you excited about those things? Let me ask you something. Are you excited about heaven? Are you excited to be in heaven? Are you excited to be in a perfect relationship with God in heaven? Because as a Christian, you should be. You should be every day, like this verse says, setting your mind fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You should be excited about heaven, and you should be thinking about it every single day, and it should affect the way you live. Are you excited about heaven? Now look at verse 14. We're going to start closing out here in verse 14. And following. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. As it is written, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Christopher, can I get your help for a second? Please. Yeah, come on up. Oh my, this is going to be tough. Christopher, um, I don't know if you've met all these people. This is Christopher. I'm not, I can't pronounce your last name. Uh, can you pronounce it? Reba, like Reba McIntyre, right? Okay, so Christopher's a foreign exchange student. And Christopher's here from Norway. And I want Christopher to help me for a second. Can you hold this? This is one of my favorite toys. Uh, y'all know I'm a kid at heart. And... Um, I know this might be surprising, but on like my 21st birthday, I think it was, Allison bought me this for my birthday uh, because that's what you normally get for your 21st birthday. And I was excited about it, and I still have it, and so it means a lot to me. So I want you to look at this. This is a Nerf gun. Christopher, could you aim over in that direction and shoot that gun? You have to blow, it's a blow gun, so you just put your mouth up to it and just go... Phew. Try again. A little harder. Okay, so that was kind of a, that was a test. I had the, the actual thing. Okay, so now I want you to just shoot it over in that air as hard as you can. Oh, goodness. Watch out. Good grief. All right, you can have a seat. Thank you. Whew, I was afraid he was going to hit you all over there. All right, so this is, this is a Nerf gun. And this Nerf gun is not very special on its own, obviously. 
Christopher tried to shoot it across without a bullet inside, but it didn't really work very well. Um, This was once on my bucket list, but now I've had a Nerf gun shot during a sermon several times in my life. I enjoy it. Uh, But this, this alone is not worth a whole lot. It don't mean a whole lot. It's the bullet inside that makes it special. You, the purpose of this gun is to shoot the bullet. That's the whole purpose. And without that, it's useless. The purpose of your life is not just to be, it's not just to exist. The purpose of your life is to recognize that the Holy Spirit's in here. It's in here. If this is your body, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. fills you up. And the purpose of your life is not to just exist. The purpose of your life is to allow the Holy Spirit to spill out of you. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to come out and to spill into the people around you. Now, if you're like this gun, and you're just sitting on a shelf somewhere and you're collecting dust, you're not doing anything bad, but you're also not being used. The Holy Spirit isn't coming out of you. So my challenge to you this morning is to be holy. To allow the Spirit to walk with you. To talk through you. Uh, yesterday was my birthday. I turned 26. And uh, that's, that's special. Uh, 26. To have made it 26 years is special. And as everyone does, on my birthday, I started thinking back to different times in my life, to different things in my life that have happened. I thought about when I was 10 years old, I obeyed the gospel. I became a Christian. And I was excited about what God was going to do through me. I was ready to conquer the world. I was ready to do something. But then I think about when I was 14 years old and I lost my grandmother. And that hurt. See, when I was 10, obey, obeying God seemed easy. Doing what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do seemed like it was just a, an easy thing for me. But when I was 14 and I was struggling, obeying God just seemed like an attack on everything that I wanted in my life. Obeying God seemed like it was just against everything I wanted. Now think about the seasons that I've been through. I've been through several more. I don't want to highlight every season I've been through in my life. But in that season when I was struggling, suffering, it was hard for me to be holy. It was hard for me to to let the Holy Spirit work. No, I didn't do anything bad. I didn't really turn to any particular struggle to compensate for the feelings that I was having. But I also wasn't letting the Holy Spirit work in my life. I was grieving the Holy Spirit. That kind of hurts me to think about. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit right now? Are you grieving the Holy Spirit because you're struggling, you're suffering? I pray that today you'll make a decision to be holy. Not because you're holy, but because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not a baptized believer, I pray that this morning that you will accept the Holy Spirit into your life. That you'll allow the Holy Spirit to fill your body as you take Him on in Christ in baptism. That this morning we need to decide that we're going to be holy. That we're going to be distinct. That we're not just going to be a Nerf gun on the shelf that's collecting dust. That we're going to be 
people who are being used by the Holy Spirit of God. If you have a need this morning, please come as we stand and sing.